So, you're hiring a software engineer. In Seattle and San Francisco, the tech industry is booming, with hundreds of new employees coming in at a rapid pace. Innovators, intellects, coders, and creators gather at the best and brightest companies to give their shot at contributing to the next big thing in the tech world. But who decides which people get to be a part of it all? The answer is the hiring managers. Welcome to Straight From The Source. I'm your host, Ella Alter. In this podcast, we interview all the executives who have the job of hiring software engineers in the cutthroat competition that is the tech industry. The hiring managers we talk to share their secrets, from creative approaches to closing new hires to effective communication with recruiting teams, and all the interview insights in between. From expert hiring managers to you, we get it straight from the source. Okay, let's get started. So we have Raymond Wang here with us, an engineering manager over at Cadium. So uh, Raymond, would you like to introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about what you do? Sure. So I am an engineering manager at Cadium. We're uh, about a 50-person um, startup in the cybersecurity space. We work primarily in network security. Um, especially in helping people find their unknown, unknown assets on the global internet. And so, yeah, uh, a little bit more about me specifically. Mm-hmm. Before I was um, an engineering manager at Cadium, I actually was a software engineer there. And prior to that, I was a software engineer at Okta. Okay, great. Well, thank you for the intro. I guess to start, when you're hiring a software engineer, are there traits that you look for? Um, if you could narrow it down to three, what are the most important things to you? Yeah. Um, so I think the number one trait that I look for in software engineers is a sense of ownership. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by a sense of ownership is I really want software engineers who, you know, it's, it's not just a... Um, it's not just, you know, they come in, they punch the clock, then they go home, punch out, mm-hmm. and it's just a job to them. I really want software engineers to own the code that they write and to own the product that they build so they feel a sense of pride for the product that they build. And I think the reason that's really important is because without that, there's really, you know, when when, when you're a software engineer, it's very easy to cut corners and get get to deadlines faster, but I really think that to build a really great product, you need to not cut too many corners, you know, cut corners in the right places. Right. And that you really need to feel a sense of ownership about the product. So I think that is probably for me the most important trait. Then the two other ones I put up there with that is one is just technical ability. Um, there are some things that are not really negotiable and uh, Mm -hmm. the ability to really solve difficult problems is definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, not too much to say around that. And there are a lot of different ways to test for that. And then the third one I would say is the ability to communicate and wrapped up with that, I'd say to take feedback in a constructive way. I think that, you know, the, we all have things that we can work on and we can improve and without the ability to communicate effectively and take critical feedback effectively, it's really difficult to work uh, as a team. 
Yeah, definitely. I think those are really interesting because especially uh, when it comes to communication, taking feedback, and really owning your work, those seem a little bit less tangible in terms of being able to uh, perceive that in somebody during an interview. So when you're interviewing somebody, how how do you uh, look for those qualities? How do you know if somebody fits that mold? Yeah, so I think uh, the... I'd wrap both of those up and under the umbrella of being a uh, self-aware person. And so what I generally look for is, um, you know, a lot of these interviews, you can't just, you can't just ask somebody, Oh, do you take criticism in a constructive manner? <laughs> right. <laughs> Nobody tell you no. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I do think that what I look for is when, when we have a conversation, does the conversation move smoothly um, are they, you know, a thoughtful person? And what I try to do sometimes is I try to challenge people and see how they respond. Mm-hmm. And so what will happen is, you know, I'll push the interview in a place where they might feel a little bit uncomfortable. Obviously, this is a, this is a fine balance. You don't want to make people feel too uncomfortable <laughs> because, it, <laughs> you know, the, the interview is partially selling yourself as a manager right. and partially selling the company. Um, as a great place to work. And if you make people feel really uncomfortable during the interview, they're not going to work there, right? So you, you've <laughs> kind of broken the fundamental uh, <laughs> goal of the, of the interview. Mm-hmm. But I think that sometimes I'll ask questions that are a little unclear or a little bit vague or a little uncomfortable. And then I want to see how they respond. And so if they respond really emotionally or they lash out or something like that, that's a really uh, good fit. Right. Um, but if they can, yeah, if they can handle the situation in a really mature and sophisticated manner, then it becomes much easier. So when we talk about technical skills, I know you said there are a lot of uh, different ways that you can test for those. And so uh, what, are your, what are some of your favorite ways to test those? What do you think is the most effective in really finding out which people are qualified? Yeah, so I think, um, I think to me there's kind of three different areas for testing for technical skills. Mm-hmm. One is, can they can they take ideas they don't know and fit it into an existing framework that they have in their mind for how technical things work or how software works mm-hmm. and be able to run with that? So that it's almost like the reading comprehension for software engineering. Right. And then the second part of that, I would say, is more of kind of like writing, uh, which is can they take a, a problem or, you know, an abstract kind of, I want you to solve this and can they turn it into something that has good structure um, with coherent code, with, you know, variables that make sense, just simple stuff like that. So that is kind of the writing component of putting together code. Mm-hmm. And then the third component I would say is um, can they do it in a, you know, reasonably timely manner um, and kind of how do they compare with the other people? Because all both of those things are very good in a vacuum, but I think it's much easier to compare this uh, when you're comparing with other people because it's much easier to draw the line between hire and uh, no hire. Right. And so, so for me, uh, what I do is I pretty much I, I have one specific question that I've asked maybe you know a hundred or two hundred different people, mm-hmm. and so in my mind I have and. I, I try not to like make the questions too difficult because I think when you make the questions too difficult or you make the answers very binary, then the problem becomes it's really hard to get a good signal on like 
if they, you know, did they get lucky and they just stumble on the right answer or were they working towards the answer in the correct kind of direction or like, how do they figure it out? Mm -hmm. And it's not, uh, so I I really don't want like really complicated problems or really uh, problems with kind of binary answers. I want ones where they're a little bit more, uh, they seem simple right when you look at it, but there's a lot of nuance and a lot of complexity underneath the covers and their ability to kind of unpack that complexity is what I look for in addition to just being able to write the code there. So because I've asked so many different people this specific question, uh, what I can do now is I can basically put every single answer on a normal distribution of kind of where do they fall in terms of all the people I've ever asked this question. And it's, I, I wouldn't say that it's a perfect metric, but I've gotten really good signal on whether they would be good software engineer or not. Yeah, that's so interesting. And it's really funny because one of the questions I really wanted to ask you was if you had a favorite interview question. So it seems like you definitely do. Um, yeah. Would you be comfortable sharing that? Sure. Uh, my favorite interview question is implement a key value store using only arrays and primitives. No, that's yeah. great. Uh, so building a team can be a difficult thing. You know, not everybody is going to work well together. Not everybody is going to get along. Is there a way that you are able to tell during an interview if someone's going to fit in with your team? Yeah. Um, (laughs) so I think, I I think that is honestly pretty difficult. You, You can kind of do a probabilistic kind of comparison and try to get some signal on it. But I think at the end of the day, there's an aspect of it, which is, you know, the tire has to hit the pavement and they have to work with the team a little bit. And that's when you can see if it works, if they work together well with the team or not. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that as a manager, there's certain, certainly things you can do, especially early on in the process when they first join the team in terms of, I, I think of it almost as like, you know, you're a, you're a new kid and you transfer to a new school. And if, if everyone just ignores you right away, then you're kind of like, oh, wow, I'm, you know, I'm not liked here. Right. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, I'm by myself here. Mm-hmm. But if you have somebody who's, you know, maybe there's a teacher, maybe they're another student who reaches out to you, who kind of points out a little bit of, the, you know, the social um, faux pas and kind of how people expect to do things, then it becomes much easier for you to integrate yourself. And I think at, at the end of the day, it's um, this goes a little bit back to the self-awareness, which is if you're a highly self-aware person, it generally is much easier to fit in. Uh, right. But, you know, the, the fit's not always perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess it is hard to tell before you actually put somebody in with your team. Now, I think attracting top talent is also something that can be really difficult, uh, especially in the tech industry. You know, there's so much talent. How do you know who's the best? How do you know who's right? Uh, Do you have any secrets when it comes to that? Sure. Um, So how do I identify top talent? I think it's, to, to me, it's a, it's a little bit of a feeling, and I think I, at least my track record so far has been pretty good for picking yeah. out top talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say it's a little bit of a feeling in terms of what I look for is almost the uh, how, how do I how do I word it? Kind of like the it factor, uh, and what I mean by the it factor is like you, you want people where um, what I don't do an interview. My my thing, even if I don't tell people this, is 
my thing is like, you know, impress me, right? Like tell me something that I didn't already know or show me something that I didn't already know or find a new solution to this problem that I didn't or haven't already seen. Right. And so, um, especially actually when I'm looking for, you know, executive level hires, because I also interview a lot of product people. Mm-hmm. Um, and just when, when I look for people, I really count people, I look for kind of that spark. Um, and so it's a little bit hard to define, but usually it comes down to impress me with what you have to say, with how you compose yourself, with how you break down this technical problem, with the depth and complexity of how you think about things and how you unpackage these things. And a lot so far that's been, you know, I, I wouldn't say the, the correlation coefficients, you know, one, but it seems to be pretty well correlated with um, really top tier talent. Mm-hmm. So that, so that's the kind of first part of like, how do you identify the, uh, the talent? Uh, and then the second part of attracting top talent. So in my mind, this is, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like being in a race. So what, you know, it, say, say you're Michael Phelps and you're trying to win a race <laughs> or, or say, well, actually, let's say you're not Michael Phelps because we can't all be Michael Phelps, right? Say <laughs> you're uh, more of a no-name swimmer, but you're, you're pretty good. And you're trying to win at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. There's kind of two components. One is um, how innately talented you are, right? Uh, you know, me with me being five seven, and you know, I swam in college for a little bit, but I'm, I'm not going to comp- compete in the Olympics. Right? It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if we went went to neighborhood pool and I competed with some of the neighborhood people my age, I could probably do okay for myself. Right. And so the, the part of the question is just how talented you are innately. And what that transfers to, to the company is um, what is the comp- how kind of sexy is what the company what the company works on? How sexy is that? How new is your technology? Um, and how, what is the compensation policy of the company? And so what I mean by that is um, kind of in the in the pay bands across the industry, how kind of where are they on the pay band, right? Like, you know, for entry level, and, and I think this this actually extends across experience levels because it's not just uh, we pay top of the pay band. A lot right. of times what you'll see is, um, you know, some companies may pay entry level engineers fairly high, but the, the pay may constrict more for very experienced engineers. So they may not pay experienced engineers as much as other companies in the industry do. So what you'll see is these companies will skew very young because, um, they have a comparative advantage in winning uh, younger talents, kind of hearts and minds, or it can be vice versa for other companies. Right. So I think first you have to like take all of those and figure out, okay, where do I sit? What is my position on the market? Mm-hmm. Right, because that gives you your your kind of negotiation, your leverage um, stance. And then what I would say after that is um, once you figure out kind of who you are and where you are, then the second part is really um, it, going back to the swimming analogy, it is kind of figuring out what you, what, you know, what, what is swimming, right? Like <laughs> what are the rules? How do you do it? And what I would, and training for that. And so the, the recruiting analogy here is really, um, figuring out kind of the in and outs of recruiting, uh, figuring out what it's okay, you know, what is okay to say, what is not okay to say. Like, for example, you can't, uh, you can't talk about protected classes, right? So it, it, Part of it is kind of figuring out the rules of the game and what what the different rules are, 
And then I would say um, one of the biggest things in my mind is there's a there's actually a great book by uh, by Reed Hoffman called The Alliance, and mm-hmm. I, I, I'd say my uh, when people ask me, you know, what is my model for managing people? I generally tell them it's the alliance model. And the idea is you and um, whoever you manage are actually together in an alliance. It's not a competition. And you both want to make each other better and more successful. And the question is, how do you get there? Um, what kind of tying this back to recruiting, generally when I talk to engineers, you know, I, I don't try to sound like, oh, we'll be the company you end your career at. It's just not realistic, Right. What I do, what I do talk about is where, you know, what, what do you want to do? And most engineers are motivated actually by, you know, <laughs> a couple of simple things, really. They want to work on cool technology. They want to get paid lots of money. They want, um, they want to eventually become, you know, go into management. They want to start their own startup, some, some combination of those. And there's like one or two other big ones. Mm-hmm. So once once you figure out kind of what motivates them, why why are they doing software engineer instead of instead of saving whales or penguins or whatever <laughs> it may be, um, then what you do is you try to figure out does the arc of the company in terms of where you are fit with the narrative that they have, and what I mean by that is you know say they really want to learn how to, say they really want to open their own startup. And say you're a 50-person company, like where we are right now. What I do then is I, I figure out, okay, so what I can talk about is I can talk about the things that people can learn if they come to um, to Cadium you know, or whatever company it may be. The things they can learn about how to build a startup. And then I'll t- talk to them about how, you know, I, I don't think this is going to be the forever company for them, but for the next two to four years it can be a place where they can really hone their skills in terms of learning how to build a startup, setting the right, you know, policies, procedures, and how I'm going to really help them get, um, get the chance to talk to salespeople, to understand how the sales cycle works and to, you know, look, interview marketing candidates and really build the skill set that they need to take the next step to like build the startup that they want to build. And I think that, that extends to only maybe specifically the startup, Part, but a big part of it really is figuring out what people are motivated by and why do they do the things that they do. Once you figure that out, then you figure out if you can help them get to where they want to go. And sometimes the you know the answer is no, right? Or sometimes the um, the specific arc of the company doesn't really fit with what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't extend to just startups. You know, if you're a really big company, what I would you know I would kind of pick the opposite side and really leverage the, um, well, we're a really big company. Our pay is real compensation is really good. And we're a, you know, maybe we're a team that's growing really fast. And so I can leverage that and talk about how we're the, uh, the startup inside the bigger company that people talk about, right? Where we're a small team, but we're growing fast and you, we'll give you the chance to really figure things out, but you'll still have the stability of a bigger company. So kind of the profile of candidates you would target will shift a little bit and it might become the candidates that have a little bit more propensity for stability or at least on the inside crave that stability. Right. And do you find right now, you know, in the current climate that a lot of candidates are more interested in eventually uh, being a part of startups? So I think this is is an interesting question because um, in my mind it's kind of – when you ask that question, it's kind of like asking people if they're nice. Um, <laughs> if I if I were to ask you if you were you're nice right now, you'd be like, of course I'm nice. Of course. <laughs> what kind of question is that, right? Yeah. Everyone is nice. Um, no one characterizes 
very few people characterize themselves as jerks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the same thing applies to startups. I think most, I would say honestly, most engineers, if you ask them, like, oh, would you would you want to start a startup one day? Most of them would tell you, oh yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I'm I'm so smart with my software, I'll I'll make it work. <laughs> call, you know, call me Snark Zuckerberg. <laughs> um, but if you really watch what people do and their their appetite for risk and a lot of the other things that they, you know, how they approach problems and things like that. I, I would say that maybe only 10% of engineers would really go start their own startup. And and that's, you know, that's here in Silicon Valley. Like there's not, <laughs> there's yeah. not a higher proportion anywhere else in the world. Right. Um, so yeah, the proportion is actually very small, but the number of people who can do it is very, think they can do it is very large. And so when it comes to motivating factors, a lot of times that can be a pretty big motivating factor. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's what I would assume nowadays. There are so many startups, but it's definitely interesting what you said. Not everybody's cut out for it. So uh, it's just one last question. Our, our little segment we do at the end, it's called Disasters and Highlights. And so we ask every hiring manager uh, their biggest hiring disaster that they faced and then their biggest highlight or accomplishment. So does anything come to mind for you? Ooh, um, yeah. From a hiring success perspective, I would say we we reeled in someone who you know has been started started software and you know writing code when he was I think like eleven or oh. nine or something, very young, um, graduated from one of the top four engineering computer science um, schools in uh, two years, really smart, uh, worked at one of the big companies that went public and just really went phenomenally well. Wow. And we made we made an offer that honestly was not as good as his existing offer to stay at his current company. Like a pretty wide margin. Um and barely better than his other offer. And kind of it, it came down to um it came down to me to really kind of close that gap and close that deal. Mm-hmm. And uh I went in and I talked about and I kind of did the strategies that we talked about, which is really yeah. figure out if there was alignment if we would fit together and really kind of paint out the story of um, how he can learn the things that he needs to learn um, to get to where he wants to go at the place we are at now. And at the end of the day, we got him and, <laughs> and he's been doing great. So I've, I've been very excited about that. But I think um, a lot of times that, that to me is the difference between a really good um, engineering manager who's a, really good recruiter versus one who really isn't that great of a recruiter, Mm -hmm. which is for the borderline candidates who are good, can you close them? Right. No, that's a great highlight. Thank you for sharing that. Um, So thank you very much for coming on our podcast. We learned a lot. And do you have anything that you would like to say before we stop recording? Um, you know, not really. It was a great experience and I hope people learn a thing or two from this podcast or, you know, at least have interesting feedback. Yeah, I think they definitely will. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to Straight From The Source. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. We want to know what you think. See you next time.